Welcome to the Nine Brawl Podcast, where we tackle daily life challenges and apply God's word to illuminate and preserve his truth while leading others to salvation through Christ Jesus. Let's join your hosts. Hey, welcome back, Sean. Hey, man. It's good to see you, brother. Yeah. You've now entered the No Bra Podcast. Nice. I, I was going to do like good old Bill O'Reilly. You've now entered the No Spin Zone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't listen to a whole lot of Bill O'Reilly. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. So, uh, you know, I have to confess. Uh, I deleted the second half of our first uh, episode for season two. So we kind of <laughs> left everybody kind of hanging. And the, the last two episodes, it was myself and friend of the show, Clint Walker. And uh, when we don't have logic with us, it's kind of a lot of babbling and nonsense that happens. Uh, I think we still said some good stuff in there, but we're definitely happy to have you back. Right on. Well, I'm, I'm glad to be back. And like I said in class, you know, just this is really important. And as I finished up, this is really the last like, really data heavy thing and so i just want to let everybody know that this isn't going to continue we'll get into some more data and science when we start talking about gender ideology um because that sound would be a religious conversation it's going to be brown grounded in science and so i just i want to make sure we're all understanding that the beatings aren't going to continue at least in the near future when it comes to the slides and the data can we talk about aliens I'll get to it. I, I, yeah. So I heard that I left some of y'all hanging. So, um, yeah, we'll get to that. Uh, but I want to start off with you know, just a quick review of what we talked about now almost a month ago um, with how Christians think everything got here. Um, and, you know, Frank Turek came up with this acronym and he said in his book, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. He said, in the beginning, there was a great surge. And so, the S is the second law of, of thermodynamics, and we talked about that before. It is the law of entropy, that things are moving from intense energy and intense heat to less energy and less heat. Um, the U is the universe is expanding. Um, as you mentioned before, when you go to the planetarium up in New York City, you know everybody knows the universe is expanding away as if from a sudden beginning in a central location. So the universe is expanding is the U. Uh, the R is radiation from the Big Bang. And as we mentioned a little bit the first time is Christians don't need to be afraid of the Big Bang because that is consistent with our worldview that in the beginning was God. And there's that, we don't know how long that was there because scripture doesn't tell us, but the sound of his voice, everything began. And Big Bang is a giant explosion at the beginning is consistent if only because it has it's a finite beginning it's not an eternal universe and we'll talk about that in the future but radiation from the big bang that explosion is the cosmic background radiation is light and heat from that initial explosion which also confirms a finite past um, we didn't really talk about this in class today but um they call it the steady state universe, which is the eternal. It has always been the way it is. And so this cosmic background radiation emanating from a central point out through all the universe confirms a finite past. Um, it makes sense from an explosion at the beginning, but it would be the outcome no matter what, if everything started at a single point in the past and is expanding away from it those that light and heat radiation in the background you can see is supernatural wavelengths and things you've got to wear special glasses you see it with the hubble telescope and the james witt telescope um it's everywhere across the universe and if if the universe was eternal that couldn't be the case um, so that's the r um, the g is great galaxy seeds um, i had that picture in class but imagine waves and if you imagine those waves, there's a pause at the top and at, at the valley. And those are those spots at the apex and the low point um, is where stars and galaxies and solar systems have developed. That's where they are in these great waves. And again, these waves are coming away from something. Um, 
as a singular point in the past. And then the E is Einstein's theory of general relativity. And what's relative, where he got the name from, is that time, space, and matter all have a finite beginning and they're interdependent or they're co-relative. And so that's where the name of the theory came from is theory of general relativity. And the general relativity is this time, space, and matter. And as I mentioned briefly in class is Einstein didn't like that at first um, because it confirmed a finite past. And so he fudged his numbers a little bit to make it not so clear that it had a beginning. But one of his fellow physicists chided him for his bad math and then corrected it. And so Einstein's theory of general relativity confirms the rest of surge that there was a finite past and that time, space, and matter are all connected coming from that finite past. So the question I asked is, does that sound unscientific? I didn't really get an answer, um, but I'm going to hold you to it. Does that sound unscientific? No, it seems very rational and believable. That the surge you're asking yeah. this, yeah. Because we get we get accused of being unscientific. Uh, we get accused of you know just well believe the Bible, believe the Bible, believe the Bible. But as I asked in class, I didn't mention scripture. You know, I joked about Third Paul, but really, I didn't talk about Genesis. I didn't talk about Job. I didn't talk about Psalms. I didn't talk about Jesus. Everything I said has something to do with science, and it is my understanding of it. It's not deep science, but it's all based in science. And I'm not betraying God through that, because Scripture isn't a science book. Scripture isn't even a history book. It is a limited history of God's chosen people in, in the world. This is special revelation Science is God's general revelation. It shows us who he is and the nature of him because of the way it works. I almost said the way it's designed. <laughs> um, and we'll get to that. Um, but that's, so, that's what I want people to understand is we don't have to be afraid of science because God created science. So being that you have more experience with these things, um, and conversations you've had with people, what's the reaction you get from them when you ask them that question? Does that sound unscientific to you? <laughs> um, for the the few angry atheists that I've interacted with on that is, well, you're just stupid. You don't understand the way science works. Yeah, yeah, you didn't you didn't say Jesus, but that's what you meant. Um, and I said, how do you know that? Like where, how does any of that point you back to the Bible? Because that's where I hope things will go. But that's, like we said, that may not be my role. And at this point, it is just having a conversation about the things in front of us. Um, but usually, and that's the thing, is it's a lot of name calling. It's a lot of logical fallacies of, you know, ad hominem attacks and, you know, unwarranted assertions that I didn't say any of that. Um, in fact, the, the last conversation I had, it was on, it was on Facebook. It was for a class in my, in my graduate studies. Um, and the conversation was combative, but it wasn't a tax until they found my webpage or my Facebook profile and said that I'm you know, the ambassador for the Light Angels Childhood Development Center focused on godly education. And he's like, oh, well, you're just one of those hateful Christians. I'm like, okay, answer the question, dude. Um, but the main response I've gotten is, well, you don't really understand science. Um, that's not really how it works. It doesn't mean what you think it means. You know, talking about, about Princess Bride is, then my question is, well, what does it mean then, you know? And, and again, that we talked about a couple weeks ago, it turns the table back to them. It's justify your position. You're saying this isn't science. Show me what science is. How does science disprove what I just said? And how is what I said not scientific? If you'll please explain how 
the second law of thermodynamics works then if if i don't understand it please describe it to me you know if the universe is expanding i'm saying it from a single point then if it's not from a single point where is it expanding from what started the expansion why is it speeding up as it goes you know in the background radiations all those things well if they don't mean what i think it means then tell me what it does mean and just show me because again like we talked about a couple weeks ago with the debate that's showing an interest in them that maybe nobody else has especially a hateful christian closed-minded and bigoted all the all the things we get labeled with i'm not preaching i have a position i have a bias and i'm admitting that up front but i still want to know what what you believe and why and if you're saying what i believe about the certain thing isn't right then please tell me what it does mean and then that's just resulted in more ad hominem attacks and unwarranted assertions and things like that because a lot of people don't want to have discussion they haven't thought about what they what they believe very much and that's dangerous way to live it's really dangerous for christians if we don't know why we believe what we believe then how in the world are we going to convince the world of its truth yeah, I totally agree with you. So on their position that you're, you said some of them not brought up that you're dumb and uh, your facts are just built to lead back to God. Uh, did I hear that right? Mm-hmm. That, that was one of yeah. the things. I, I think about like a response to that would be, so no matter what, you really didn't listen to what I was speaking because you're just assuming that it, which is probably a, a correct assumption. I'm going to lead it back to God. Yeah. Right. But my, what I'm bringing forward to you is actually to meet you where you're at, but you're not willing to, you're not even willing for me to be there with you. Right. Okay. So, uh, so what do you do in that situation where they're like, yes, I, I, no matter what you say, you're always just going to lead me to Christ. And I don't want that. I don't want that. Do you, do you just walk away at that point? Um, because they're looking for a fight just to do that or do you still try and put your point out and because i think this is something that we have to address yeah. in what we're doing is understanding what we should do because uh, i believe this is where we create a lot of hurt and we fall into the trap of what they want to do and it was a great example of when we had the debate when liam laid everything out yeah. he drew them into the fight yeah. versus the uh, the offensive yeah so this is my opinion based on what I've seen work well and very poorly. But if what intended to be a rational discussion about facts turns into name calling, it's going to be really as long as you're not the one doing it. <laughs> Let's make sure we're not the one doing the name calling, that we're not the ones that are getting excited um, and angry and actually hateful and unchristian. But in those cases, just, and they didn't have to be necessarily excited, just, you know, calling me names. Okay, that's not true. Um, Can we get back to the conversation? And if you don't want to talk about that, then there's no point in me pushing it anymore. Because that's where we do get in trouble. Like I mentioned a couple times is, you know, imagining this, this number line from, atheist at zero to missionary at 10 my job isn't to get it's not my job to get anybody anywhere but i may play a role in that process and it may just be like i said today putting a stone in an atheist shoe that next time because they didn't meet a hateful christian next time they might listen to one especially when they can reflect well you know i called that guy names and he didn't take the bait so maybe I might not call the next guy names and because he treated me with kindness, even though I was a complete jerk to him, maybe the next time, the next person, it's less combative and he's at least questioning what he thought about before. So I think those two things are the answer to the question is one, we're not responsible for the whole process. We may not have a role. We probably won't have a role in the whole process and two people start calling people names conversations over 
just we got to make sure we're not the one calling names if we are we need to stop right there repent ask them for forgiveness and say you know i did that wrong can we have this discussion in a later time and if not i totally get it because that was i was wrong i sinned i should not have done that i did not behave the way i know i should if they're doing the name calling man i when you're when you're willing and able to come back and discuss the thing i'd like to have this continue to have this conversation but if you're just going to attack my character then there i don't see any value in this so when we were doing christian sexuality um you and i had a, a little bit of disagreement on how we can help somebody i said i to me personally i don't feel like someone who hasn't been through the scenario can really help someone who's in the scenario <laughs> and you said i disagree with that um since then i'm seeing a little bit more of your point and i think what we talked about there can be valid in this certain position where they're name calling or even saying I, I know the ultimate goal that you have is to make me believe in God, right? Um, for myself, I can take the stance of like, okay, then let me remove God from the scenario. And let's just talk about this where I was five years ago that I lived 40 years of or 38 years of where you're at. Right. And I can still use this logical thinking. Mm -hmm. Would you then be willing to listen to it if I, I remove myself from that position? To me, I feel like, oh, I have a better stance in being able to place an apologetics. So let's say for someone who grew up in the church and didn't have life experience like you and I may have had, how do they go about this approach? So I remember that conversation back in the spring and being well prepared, like I said in the, the myths and contradictions debate, when, when we get excited it's time to walk away. And so I don't think you need to have that experience. I guess I think that was my position before. <laughs> I don't think you need to. And in this, it might even work to your advantage because, well, I've read these books and yes, they're by hateful Christians, but you know, he went to Oxford. He would, you know, they've got the bona fides, you know, show me how they're wrong, you know, because I really want to understand I read these books, you know, I listen to this lame podcast, whatever it is. Um, I think that creates opportunities because you don't know, because you don't have that experience. And when, when we're talking about science, that's a big thing. It's complex, necessarily complex and complicated. And so that's an opportunity. I'm not a scientist, you know, got high school physics and had a couple semesters in college, um, or I watch, Arvin Ash on YouTube talk about taking these really complicated things and to a 10 or 15 minute YouTube video. Um, I think that's actually an advantage that Christians who grew up in the church that have a Christian worldview who believe in science, un believe in God, understand that science confirms who God is, but not knowing the inner workings of it like you were talking about with your your acquaintance um you know that is okay not knowing just that's an opportunity for lots of questions well um you know i've read these books you say they're wrong show me where they're wrong you know what does it mean when michael behe says irreducible complexity complexity you know well you know explain how you could he talks about the flagellum but a more accessible description of it is you can't evolve into a functioning mount strap. That there, there's a point where it can't be gradual steps to be a functional mousetrap. And so you can ask those kinds of questions being reasonably informed about the discussion, in this case, science, knowing some buzzwords and you know just some basic things we skipped over it we'll come back to it but you know dna replication translates transcription and translation understanding how that works explain explain to me i'd really like to know how you think that happened by accident you know what is the 
origin of this information? You know, where else have you seen information occur from an unguided process? You know, they've done just knowing some of the things that that people have done to try to do this. You know, putting a hundred monkeys in a room with a hundred typewriters, they don't come up with anything sensible, which is the best example of unguided process um, to come up with Shakespeare I think was the goal and the best they got were two letter combinations that happened to be words like an and of maybe but they never got three letter combinations much less Shakespeare and so it could be as simple as understanding the closed-minded Christian position that are in books and then said well show me how that works in your worldview and so not knowing not knowing anything about it, not having that great wound of science or whatever it is, I think it makes it more innocent, isn't quite the right word, but you are not, I don't want to say uninformed, but you are not extremely educated in the thing. And so it's going to necessarily create some humility in me if I'm walking into a thing, I'm strong in my convictions, but I'm not sure here. So I'm going to have more humility when I go in. So I'm more likely to ask questions and I'm genuinely seeking understanding. You just hit it on the, on the head right there at the end. The genuine, it's not innocence, but genuineness. Yeah. That, that, is that a word? Genuineness. Is, yeah. I know what you mean. it's not, <laughs> add it to Webster. <laughs> Trademark by Jeff Anthony. Right on. We'll get it added <laughs> to the Scrabble dictionary. Yeah. Uh, you know, for when when you and I talk, so um, when people ask me to describe our relationship, mm-hmm. I kind of I, I used it last week. I watch TV, you read books. <laughs> and uh, I was actually sharing uh, my life story was with one of the elders over the weekend. They invited me to meet up with them. Uh, growing up, I was just more about myself. I was more concerned about my talent in arts and creativity. That's where my life I felt worth in. You know a lot about my life. Uh, I didn't care about studying. I didn't care about those things. Uh, so for myself to ask questions is, is a genuine thing because I'm like, you're right. I, I am an idiot. I don't know much. Yeah. I know enough. Yeah. I know enough, but I'm going to go ahead and pose the questions. But please don't get upset. What may seem like, well, you seem like you're an intelligent guy and you're you're asking me. It's like, but I'm not. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm genuinely. And I know I have a problem communication that people think that I'm being sarcastic because I'm never really a serious person. So I, I get that. But to be able to go and say, no, I'm, I'm being really sincere. Explain that to me. Like, I, yeah. I don't comprehend what that means. It may take you a while. But we have to be kind of the same way because they don't know. Right. They're they're oblivious to it. They never wanted to seek that. And I found it very interesting in what you shared today that you didn't say in class, but you said post-class of the reason why they don't want. Yeah. Right. Because they don't want someone, someone telling them what to do. You use yeah. something else, yeah. but the gist of it is they don't want an invisible thing telling them how to live their life. Yeah. Right. Um, I think when I got into high school, because I was playing sports, I then dedicated school into school because if I don't have good grades, can't play sports, can't play sports. Right. So I went and then started doing these things. So myself, I, I, I have a hard problem, a hard problem, a hard time already reading because I'm dyslexic. So now I'm turning to uh, books and stuff like that to on audio tape and then going back and actually purchasing the book and going through it. Uh, but to get back on track, what I was trying to say is a lot of people will take um, someone who's educated and they ask genuine questions. They'll take it the same way they feel like someone who's uneducated and asking questions. They'd be like, what? You're just asking to be a jerk. Your questions are loaded. Your questions are, you know, do you understand what I'm mm-hmm. trying to say? Yeah. Um, but I know you, I know when you ask, it's very genuine that, you know, it just hurts, man. It hurts because <laughs> I'm realizing that I'm not as smart as I think I am. And, you know, it's shedding light into uh, 
me not knowing everything. And then secondly, um, be being willing to come to a point that I'm wrong. And I feel like that's where atheists are at is that they're not willing to be wrong. They're not willing to shed light in their um, inaccuracies and uh, they're falling short of, you know, of standards or whatever they, they want to be at. So what you said though, I made a note, <laughs> word choice is important. You know, because we can come off like jerks, but prove it to me, you know, prove your point. You know, that's accusatory. That sounds conceited, you know, but help me understand. I mean, even explain it. You know, you can say that, well, I'd, I'd really appreciate it if you could explain it and couch it in those kinds of words rather than explain yourself, you know, because that sounds accusatory and high minded. But will you please explain what that does mean or, you know, put them in the driver's seat can you help me understand this those kinds of questions are at least going to shut down the argument and so just being really deliberate about the words we choose words that we use when we're having those discussions when we're asking the questions is being cognizant about how we're going to come across somebody that doesn't understand our motivation somebody that doesn't know the way we speak and you know, I might use those words, prove and explain in normal conversation with you and you understand, but I go talk to somebody who doesn't know me, then they're going to hear something that didn't mean. And so being conscious of that words have meaning and sometimes people don't actually follow the meaning of those words. And so we need to be extra careful, especially with the unbeliever without more, you know, less mature brothers and sisters on this, you know, we, I don't understand. Can you explain that? Um, or will you please, I need you to help me understand. So can you explain that for me? And so understanding that we're going to come across more genuine when we're thinking about what we say, and it can be as simple as word choice and adding a few of those extra words and qualifiers and is going to give us more platform and opportunity to ask those questions. Thank you, Sean. And that gives me the opportunity, not only just a word choice, um, but also to know that when, when you, when I ask you, walk me through that, yeah. that you can, because you're not just bringing up a talking point. So being prepared and knowing God's word and knowing the position and knowing these different things it makes it a lot easier to digest versus just trying to take a talking point because yeah. we can see, let's take, um, let's take, uh, religion out of things, but let's look at Republicans and Democrats, right? It, a lot of people, when you, when, Oh, actually our conversation about, uh, president Trump, yeah. <laughs> right. I mentioned right. this uh, last week <clears throat> when you're like, well, what's your issue with him? <laughs> you know, it's like, well, I don't like him. Okay, great. Why? <laughs> Okay, well, this, this, and this. Great. Uh, have you investigated that? That you came on the right? I think you asked me if I shut up. I mean, I yes. watched <laughs> CNBC. <laughs> yeah, CNN. <laughs> right, and that's where someone loses credibility in what they're saying. Uh, so ourselves, if we're gonna stand to reason with them, we better know what we're trying to reason with them. Yeah, and understand we didn't get here overnight, and so. Assuming that you, a finite, as we said before, you know, wretched human being, you're going to get this right the first time all the way. Yeah. I mean, show me where that works. That's a question. Um, when has that worked well for you? It's going to be the offline conversation with them being willing to take it slow and understand that we're not we didn't get it right all the time. And so expecting somebody to perfectly understand you and your position and not take something out of context and not make ad hominem attacks and other logical fallacies, um, just understand that they're just as lost as you were. Um, maybe as lost as you still are, you just got a better idea of where you need to go. Sean, I know that um, these last couple of weeks, like you mentioned, you opened up the podcast with a lot of information and then we're really going to, break down and uh, talk about how to approach these things when yeah. we get into the discussions. The one thing I would like to challenge you with as we prepare for the next uh, 
few podcasts that we do to uh, because how many how many classes do we have coming up that that you're going to be going over? Um, well, I mean the de- last debate and this debate are one of the topics, and so uh, we talked about the reliability of the Bible, and next week's going to be abortion. Um, I we're definitely going to talk about the problem of evil probably in two weeks. Um, and that's not, that's not a data heavy conversation. The, it's not even a logic. I'll talk about it, but that was one of the things that, uh, Dr. Baird talked about in February is there is a logical response to the problem of evil. I can give that all day long. That is not the response to people who are hurting. Jesus is the response to people who are hurting. And so, um, that's not going to be a, a super data heavy. That's going to be a lot of conversation. Um, and then uh, gender ideology, we're going to, it's not going to be a religious discussion. We talked about religion before. This is going to be like science. <laughs> That's going to be using people who are advocates of that lifestyle, telling their story for us, weakening their own case. Um, so those are the two other ones that we haven't talked about that we're going to get to, but we will come back and talk about abortion later because I'll save that um, <laughs> till after the the debate. But what do you ask? Um, something just kept popping while we're having conversations in my head uh, to challenge you as we talk about these these subjects and the approaches that we're going to take to be able to talk about these subjects is how to add the fruits of the spirit to guide us during that time frames. Um, so since it popped up and I'm telling you with that how do the fruits of the spirit play in apologetics i know you're not prepared for it but it's really but it's something i need to be thinking about um and i think first you know uh, you know paul talks about that in first corinthians he starts with it the first fruit of the spirit and you know, we talk about it or sung about it in BBS. You know, the fruit of the spirit is not a band no. Um, but that Stacy will point this out to the kids is it's not fruits that come from the spirit. It is the demonstration of the spirit being in you. And the first thing that Paul talks about, and he comes back to it at the end, is love. If our if our apologetic is bathed in love, that will take us, one, that'll get us on the right track to start with, that is not about gotcha, it is, it is love, and love is, Paul talks about that too, love is not self-seeking, does not rejoice in wrongs, it rejoices in the truth, it isn't trying to win points, so if, whether it's our evangelism, or it's our apologetics, hopefully those are intertwined if we start with love and love doesn't mean you're right (laughs) love doesn't mean hey you do you that's not love um that's another discussion but when we start with love i think it's i think paul leads with that for a reason and i think he leads with it because he brings back to it at the end if we don't have love clanging gong and crashing cymbals we missed the point. If we're doing this out of obligation, we're not exhibiting joy. And joy isn't, hey, I'm having a great time. It's that I have this complete, we talked about it today, Jim mentioned at the beginning, we have this freedom in Christ. And that is what should make us joyful. And joy doesn't necessarily mean even happy all the time, excited, but having that inner that inner joy, peace, (laughs) patience, you know, they're all connected. Uh, They're not the same, but they're all connected to the spirit inside of us. And so if we have that peace and we have that joy and we have that patience because of that, and it's all tied into love, our apologetics, our evangelism will be bathed in all those things, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and then self-control teaches us how to do all those things um, well. And that's what's awesome about the Spirit is 
as part of the Godhead, he is complete and will make sure that the fruit of the Spirit is consistent and equally yoked, that it's all working together. You know, it's, all things work together for the good, those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Um, the same way, the fruit of the Spirit is is all connected when we start with love and we allow self-control to guide our peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness, gentleness and joy. We're going to speak with love. We're going to speak truth the right way. And so I think that's how the fruit of the Spirit is necessarily involved in apologetics. Because otherwise, you are being a hate of Christian. You are just plan gotcha you're trying to poke somebody in the eye you know throat chop you know and that's not that's not of jesus but as we have discussed oh wretched man that i've done that too and i have repented from that and i'm constantly trying to do better and so i'm not preaching to anybody i'm trying to help other people know, <laughs> learn from my mistakes, but then also learn from the book. Thank you, brother. I yeah. appreciate that. So with the time remaining, I know you have a, a list of things you wanted to touch, so I'm going to turn it over to you, Sean. Well, I mean, we could go in depth on this, but, you know, I like questions. <laughs> so I think it's best to, to wrap it up there because um, that does get to the point and I'm glad you asked about the fruit of the spirit because since I'm going to get it wrong anyway um, I don't I don't think it's important that we try if we don't already know you know if you're not already a scientist if you're not you know studying the sciences don't go try to learn it all <laughs> be familiar with the concepts but come armed with good questions in humility in love you know, we talked about we talked about aliens, and I will come back to that real quick, just so so I don't disappoint anymore. Um, in his books, Richard Dawkins says higher level of of civilization in interviews. He straight up says aliens, but it's all tied to evolution because they're not closed-minded and selfish like we are. That God created all this stuff and. We're the only ones that are on in the universe. Um, they're more open-minded than that. So evolution, because it happened everywhere, um, evolution created may have, you know, probably some kind of Darwinian means, um, possibly, perhaps, lots of uncertain language. But like I said today, we all believe in something we can't see. Richard Dawkins believes in aliens. In his book, he calls it, you know, advanced civilization on another planet. I think that is the definition of an alien. But in interviews, he straight up says aliens. Um, and isn't, isn't shy about it, but also isn't ashamed of it. It's really odd to me that this, he's a molecular biologist. Um, you know, he talks about this design of the universe, of science of biology you know dna the double helix like it is just gorgeous i mean francis crick atheist who discovered the double helix is just it's like music it is just this perfectly designed thing and they all admit that that it looks designed but it's not but he openly believes in aliens that that's how we got here just evolution worked faster and better on other planets and that is who put life on this on this planet and so um that'll be that'll be really the only thing is is just it we can chuckle about it it's not gonna be well where you believe in aliens it really is just for us like we all believe in something we can't see it's just we call that god they call it science aliens eternity whatever and just it's important to know that we all believe really stupid things um but that doesn't need to be the thing um, and so good questions on this are, you know, what does the fossil record say? You know, what what is the explanation for the beauty of the double helix of, of DNA and how these, you know, how can 
where else have you seen information come about by accident? Because everybody knows that the DNA is intense. You know, the, the Human Genome Project, you know, finished while President Clinton was in, um, it is, there's just an, this immense amount of information that is tied up in these microscopic things that are just beautifully designed. And how, how does DNA replication and transcription and, and translation and you know where how did the amino acid the right amino acid that comes in that unzips the double helix of the dna and lays them out out open you know how did that happen by accident how did how did that amino acid where do we get the amino acid to start with but how did that amino acid know that that's purpose it serves i don't think any other purpose then to be the unzipping of the double helix DNA. And then, you know, there's copies and recopies. And then, you know, that's the transcription. And the translation is it gets sent back through RNA to another one. Just knowing just enough to ask questions. You know, my my mom would say, you know, I know just enough to be dangerous. Um, let's make it not dangerous. And use the little bit we do know to guide our questions. And so I think the the next question that we should ask that we need to keep in mind, and this will go back to what, I, what you were mentioning earlier, is why do many treat the theory of evolution as fact? And like I was telling you earlier, the really honest ones will say, well, the not honest ones will say, well, because the science just says God doesn't exist. And science doesn't say that. Science doesn't say anything. Scientists do with presuppositions. But the the honest ones will say well what you said i don't like the idea of something i can't see telling me how i'm supposed to live the really honest ones have said in books um <laughs> i don't want to believe in god because i don't want somebody telling how i should live my sex life i don't like this invisible thing telling me how i'm what i'm supposed to do with my own body in the privacy of my bedroom or the backseat of my car or the the porn shop or wherever um they don't like the idea of somebody telling them what to do um but aside from that um, why do you think so many people th treat the theory of evolution as fact so that's one reason have you in in your life did you have any other reasons have you heard anything else of why why it's just it's fact uh, i think most people kind of take what the education system tells them and that's what they believe i know uh, i mentioned uh, at least from what i did pay attention in school like you know i'm honest i yeah. i was busy trying i was busy <laughs> working on other things or going to the principal's office but even then it, when they tried to explain evolution i found it funny I, I, I did i found it funny it could be just once again just like going to catholic church and having just beaten down that I was no that doesn't line up to God's word but when I do uh, speak to people when when they say that it's well that's what I was taught and it makes sense and when I when I think about people when they're just thinking it's like okay well because it was said to you and it's in a textbook that's enough for it to be real yeah right uh, but if we go back even just a uh, hundred years back and look at a textbook and we look at and what was being taught that's not real no more yeah right and yeah then, but that's the stance they try to take too it's like well let's look at the bible it's like oh it's changed it's like well first let's explain where did it change right <laughs> good question <laughs> a little bit it's a little bit different right um, and who told you that it changed who right right well, where so, did they do their homework yeah <laughs> you know because it's interesting when you when you go back and you look at like a 1912 atlas an atlas to today and you already know where i'm probably heading with the flat earth stuff so <laughs> i i do find flat earth very interesting it's a great conversation whether i believe it or not is that's a whole nother conversation but you know it is interesting when they start to bring up some stuff like oh look at this map from 1850 and look at this you know it's like oh okay great and they'll bring up like but well, you know the moon landing never happened yeah. I'm a real fan of conspiracy. I really love that. <laughs> One day I should tell you about my Walmart conspiracy. All right. 
that. So, uh, but for myself, uh, it, Big Bang was more of a bigger teaching than Evolution was. And I think when they were bringing out Evolution, uh, because they were coming back to God with Big Bang, I was already disinterested. I was like, no, I didn't yeah. want to do anything. So I'm, I'm probably not the best person to really pose that question to because I wasn't paying attention. Uh, even though uh, I was actually talking to Edith about it, and she was, I was like, I don't think I was ever. Uh, no. I take that back with the elder. I was like, I was never an atheist. I believed in God. I just I didn't want anything to do with him. Yeah. I knew my punishment and I accepted my punishment and I was just living my life. So uh, I'm not agnostic. I wasn't it. I just yeah. I didn't want anything to do with him. So kind of like today's conversation. So what? Yeah. I'm not. This chair breaks. Who cares? <laughs> Who cares? Whatever. And but and, and I think it's just some people don't want to do further study they want it's built uh, to be like I need to pass this test I need to do this I need my college I need my certificate I need this paper to get a good job to get paper right yeah uh, I think the world has been built around it that it makes it a lot easier to believe whatever they want to feed you like uh, a five-year-old fully comprehends that they want to be the other gender yeah that they're want to go ahead and mutilate themselves yeah because it's it's easy um so thank you for that uh, another reason that i've found is one that um oh, what's his name rules for radicals um i mentioned it before i think it's the fifth rule is ridicule um, so christians get ridiculed for not believing in evolution um in particular Dawkins has wrote about it. He said, if you meet someone, kind of sounds like Hillary Clinton a little bit. If you meet somebody who claims not to believe in evolution, that person is ignorant, stupid, or insane, even wicked, but I'd rather not consider that. So kind of like, you know, the president said, you know, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. Oh, like, yeah. um, it's, it's ridicule. Um, and it's before that, um, you know, Mark Twain was, was an atheist too um you know he wrote if you believe in a book that has talking animals wizards witches demons six turning into stakes burning bushes food falling from the sky people walking on water and all sorts of magical absurd and primitive stories and you say that we're the ones who need help a lot of people at least treat evolution like it's fact because they don't want to be subject to that <laughs> when you brought up the the president all right. <laughs> I was like, since since he went there, when someone is like, did you hear what he said? I was like, man, I wish I was there. He's like, why? I was like, because I would have been like, you know what? You're absolutely right. If I don't vote for you, I'm not black. I'm white because I'm right. <laughs> right? I was like, I'll play the game with you. I'll yeah. play the game with you. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, I was talking about that in, in in class you know because math is racist and you know yeah it, and i said it earlier the reductio ad absurdum you take that to its natural absurd endpoint yeah. um anyway but to touch on something that you said and uh, ridicule is such a great tool man yeah it's it's very effective but i, I found it interesting that uh, let's say that uh, dawkins would have came to me and tried to ridicule me right i'd be like okay well if if i don't believe in it it's probably more because I really don't know much about it. And now that here, I'm, I'm, I'm actually glad we're talking about evolution because I'm really interested in evolution, right? <laughs> and sometimes I feel so bad because the class is so, you know, these are smart kids. And yeah. I'm like, what the heck is macro and micro? Like, what is that? <laughs> I've never heard of that. What is, you know, so right. to me, it's like, oh, oh, great. So I don't believe in your type of evolution, but I believe in this other evolution. Yeah. Right. And, uh, so I think it's interesting. So you're just saying them as long as I don't believe in what you're saying, I'm just stupid all the way around. Yeah. That's what you okay. But with <laughs> with with Dawkins, he says, you know, in another book, there's no good, there's no bad bad, there's just blind, pitiless indifference. So you're telling me there's no good, there's no bad. How am I wicked? Like, I don't understand what that means based on your worldview. What does wicked mean? Um, so that's questions <laughs> yeah like the nuremberg nuremberg trials right I, I, th I when i studied that i thought that was very interesting the stance that they took uh, uh the germans right mm -hmm. and 
uh, you know, praise God for, I forgot the lawyers, the, the American judge that came out, I was like, there is laws beyond just man that you knew yeah. this was wrong. Yeah. You know, um, but I found it very interesting to be like, I don't know, I kind of pitied, pitied them a little bit because like, if that's all they knew and that's all, because that's, to be honest, this is what's happening here. Yeah. Right. And live by no lies. Yeah. Right. Is you're being fed that this is okay. This is okay. This is okay. Yeah. And then when it comes to reset itself to be like, oh, now it's like, why should I be held accountable if I always been, always been told that it was okay. Yeah. I mean, I was living morally by the social contract. Yeah. <laughs> we might come back to that when we go into those subjects. But yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, it's right. You know, racist it's other than no, I'm not, or, you know, what evidence you have for that? You know, it's ridicule is hard to respond to. And that's the point. Saul Alinsky, that's who wrote it. Saul Alinsky said, you know, ridicule is the best weapon because by refuting it, you prove that I'm right, like in the process. And so it's this, it's this self-licking ice cream cone. You're just, you're, you're stuck. Um, <laughs> I, I'm over here wanting to say something. And I was like, no, nah, never mind. Yeah, <laughs> brother Jeff Anthony is is using the filter that I tend not to have. So, <laughs> stop. Think about what you're gonna say. Yeah. Um. So, you know, we you brought it up at the at the end. You know, how do we talk about these things? And I'd like to finish with just some of these more of these questions. And like I said, week before. We need to learn to love questions. Jesus taught with questions. Um, so if we want to live like Jesus, if we want to love like Jesus, if we want to reason like Jesus, we should learn to love questions. Um, question that has come to my mind is how do living fossils, you know, so things like elephants, um, you know, things they're old breeds um, believed to be just ancient breeds that still exist. Um, how do they remain unchanged over supposed hundreds of millions of years if evolution has changed worms into humans in the same time? So that's a really complex question. But things like that, how, again, don't have to be smart on everything, but know just enough to be dangerous not mean but to be skillful and maybe that's it know just enough to be skillful and ask specific questions you know so you say this is the oldest species on the planet and it it was made tens of millions of years ago and it is just stuck in time in its beauty how over that same time did fish become philosophers that's a difficult question it should be a difficult question <laughs> because you're saying evolution and natural selection like that is a huge hand wave that's a giant brush stroke let's get really specific for a second but apply your worldview on itself you know frank turk talks about that you know if you apply the claim to itself itself what do you get so you say fish became philosophers so how are there still fish why aren't they all philosophers why are these ancient species still around when the same time that you say they existed we've gone from single cell organisms and we're not even going to talk about biogenesis how life came from non-life that is a good question explain knowing the term explain biogenesis to me because i don't understand it how did non-life become life? And that's an interesting discussion, but a good question. But knowing just enough about it, don't make any claims because there's lots of memes and, and all the atheists have them. You know, somebody who asks about abiogenesis doesn't understand. You know, they're also going to ask you about this and this and this and this. Ask them, you know. I obviously don't understand biogenesis. Please explain it to me. An easier question is... If the whole world, if everything that we see and everything has ever existed has a material cause, how did consciousness evolve? Where's the mind fit into all this? You know, because my thoughts aren't physical. How did this completely 
immaterial thing that we know we all agree exists, you're telling me that doesn't exist. I disagree and I've got lots of evidence on my side, but if what you say is true, we all agree it exists, show me the evolutionary train to get from, I mean, even just you know, dog to human. They don't think we're evolved from dogs, but monkey. So ape, they don't, we believe, they believe the last species that we evolved from are apes. So how did an ape get from a non-sentient being to us, what was the evolutionary process that got from the inability to think to consciousness? What was the evolutionary necessity for music? You talk about art. What is the evolutionary necessity of art and creativity? Because if it's just survival of the fittest, that's a complete waste of time and would just you would not be the fittest anymore because you'd be off dreaming in La La and you're going to get eaten by a Tyrannosaurus. You know, you're not going to survive. So if we all evolved from, from fish and those things, I mean, they call it daydreaming for a reason. Like you're just lost. You're going to die. You won't be the fittest. So that's a good question. Where does evolution fit into that? What is the evolutionary necessity to these things that provide no value? That actually distraction from survival, you know, we talk about it today. You know, dude is fat and lazy on the couch because he's watching football. Um, 100 million years ago, he's going to get eaten by something if he's doing that. So how did that evolve? Just knowing enough and thinking critically about the issue and understand it's a whole lot more than the Bible tells me so. And that we've got so many more weapons at our disposal. You know, Jesus tells us to love him with our heart, soul, and mind. And thinking critically is how we honor God with our mind. Faith is the evidence of things unseen. You know, it, it's hope. It, trust is the best word. And trusting something we can't see. But Jesus didn't say stop thinking. He said, follow me. This has to be a choice. You know, I talked about Naaman today. Him being healed of his leprosy had to been had to have been a conscious choice. When we are creative, when we think critically about what we believe, you could probably get lost in coming up with countless questions. Just thinking about why you believe what you believe and then reverse engineering that in how you got there. And then being willing to ask other people how does that jive? You know, this is what I believe, you know, I'm this hateful Christian. Um, but this has nothing to do with my faith. You know, this is your worldview. So how did creativity evolve? How did consciousness, something that we both agree is not, is inherently immaterial. How did that evolve? If they don't call you a name, you may have won that moment. And it's like Greg Kogel says, you put a stone in their shoe. How did consciousness evolve? And if I'm honest, that's going to bug me. And because that Christian wasn't hateful, that Christian was loving, that Christian was joyful and patient and kind and generous and forgiving and self-controlled, man, there's something different about them. Man, that's a really, that's a tough question. That's going to bug me. And if, if I'm this hardcore scientist, I'm going to do some research on that. Not everybody is that way, but that's going to stick with them. And that may be the best thing that you can do. I've talked about this, those, those, those questions, you know, whether they believe, why do they believe it? Where do we agree? And then what's the one thing they need to hear at the moment? That might be it. It might be a question is how did consciousness evolve and phrase it a little more specifically. So you believe that Everything has a material cause. We both agree in this completely immaterial thing. And there's lots of brain studies that confirm it, that the mind and consciousness are, they function inside the brain, but they're not part of the brain. We, we agree on all those things. How did your worldview get you there? I didn't say a thing. I just asked you a reasonable question, a thoughtful question that will either lead them to the truth or at least lead them, reduct you out absurdum, lead them to the absurd outcome of their belief and you didn't say anything. So learn to love questions.
guide it in the fruit of the Spirit, be do, constantly seeking love and peace with patience and kindness and joy, faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, with the knowledge we all believe in something we can't see. Are you brave enough to admit that? Because you call me hateful and stupid and closed-minded for believing this thing that I can't see. How are you any different? And that could be that, that point, that third question is where do we agree? We both agree that we believe in some you don't believe, you know or trust or different word. They believe in something we can't see. Where can we go from there? Because we both agree in that. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. All right. So <clears throat> uh, next week, uh, you'll be on traveling. traveling. Yep. So for those who will be in class with us, we're going to be tackling abortion. <clears throat> oh, man. You'll get the easy work. Yes. <laughs> yes. You know, I when I saw it in class today, you know, it was just once again, I... I thank the Lord. It's like, okay, it's like, obviously, um, this is something I need to be doing. Um, I've shared my, I've shared my testimony mm -hmm. with everybody. And, uh, it's just a really quick reminder to me as well. Uh, we're looking into possibly creating, uh, a life group here at, at the church. Mm -hmm. Um, it's called uh, embrace grace, embrace life and embrace legacy. It has to do with um, not not just being pro-life of, of the baby, but pro-life of the mom and the nucleus of the family. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, myself being, like that. being guilty of uh, being part of an abortion itself, this is something that uh, God has redeemed me from and put it in my heart to be like, you need to spearhead these things. Uh, so, uh, to... To that topic come up to be like well i definitely have a lot of things to talk about in this right and yeah. uh so you know we had someone else in class was like automatically it was a yeah. straight right yeah and uh, so i'm thinking maybe i'll team up with that person and be like because we are passionate about this we know how to be on the defensive maybe let's be on the critic side yeah and uh yeah which i i i, I tended to pose as well when we did the man up class right mm -hmm. uh, man biblical man yeah biblical what man type, that's right. yeah. <laughs> um what would you do if it was your seven-year-old daughter in that situation yeah and that's a that's a hard one yeah that's a very, very hard one so um but i'm thanking uh, the lord for the opportunity when it comes to this specific question because it, it's relative to me and it's really relative to everybody because just much like any other sin everyone's affected by this and yeah so uh but yeah looking forward to it uh, we had uh game night on friday it was a big hit uh we did red versus blue it was a uh food you know color themed of different places like sam's club hot dog versus costco hot dog uh, cool ranch dorito versus nacho doritos uh we had sam oh, i'm sorry walmart ice cream versus h-e-b ice cream Pepsi versus Coke. It was no competition in either of those last two things. Walmart ice cream versus HEB and Pepsi. Hear the disgust in my voice clearly. I mean, they know it's not good because they've changed it so much in my lifetime. So they Pepsi admits that that's garbage because they can't figure out there is no original recipe, original taste Pepsi. They've changed. They don't even know what it used to taste like. Coke knows what it used to taste like they tried that new thing and that bombed because the original is the best well, well what were you gonna the say consensus <laughs> by a lot by a lot my friend and the evidence of the lack of remaining blue was a sure result of that blue has overcome red once again i mean you can believe all you want <laughs> <laughs> show me the evidence <laughs> so, so, but it was fun um we got to play a cool game some you got to throw this uh burrito at somebody i think it's called throwing burritos i think that's what the game was it was right. really interesting and fun so um not this friday but the following friday uh we'll be having a pizza and wings game night again here 
Uh, so looking forward to that. We had a really good turnout. I hope we have a bigger turnout this next time. Um, we didn't leave until 11. Nice. It was, and we only left because I was like, I have Bible study in the morning. Uh, <laughs> Mid-40s, I got to go. <laughs> so, but it was a really good time, and I thank you for everybody that, that came out. Um, we certainly are going to pray for safe travels on your, your trip. Um, so it sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. Definitely gonna miss you, but I will do my best to record the yes, conversations we have. And, yeah, uh, in regards to uh, the abortion debate uh, there as well, and we look forward to you to returning and uh, getting into these hard topics. And uh, yeah. definitely, we'll have lively discussion here on the podcast. So, right on. All right. Is uh, anything else that you like to uh, that I forget about that you wanted to mention or no? think that covers it i think let's close it down with a prayer almighty god thank you for this day father we thank you for life we thank you for freedom lord we thank you most of all for who you are and the freedom that you gave us through the death and resurrection of your son i pray that we are evidence of your light guided in the fruit of the spirit as we leave this place as we interact with people at our work, our school, or on the street, and we're guided with your love and your truth, help us love others the way you loved us, not just the way we want to be loved, but the way you loved us, that you were patient, and you were kind, you were forgiving, you were gracious when we didn't deserve it. Lord, help us to be that to the people around us. Thank you for these opportunities. Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for these young men and women. Lord, I thank you for just this great group of witnesses that you've surrounded us. Help us to be more like you every day. Bless us this week. Bring us back together soon. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This concludes this week's podcast. Just remember, when the world tries to get you to backslide, all you got to say is...